podcast. So you were telling me you did voiceovers. I did. Yeah, it was kind of a an extension of. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Well, I used to. It's been a while. No, no, no. I get okay. it. Um. Yeah, I was an actor. That's why I moved out. And voiceovers were moved an extension out. to Los Angeles. But from where? From Alabama. Alabama. You mentioned this. I just want my I want people to catch up. Yeah, of course. So yeah, you came from Alabama, and that that was the goal to do acting. Yes. Nice. Yeah. And then, uh, you know how Los Angeles is. You can well, go in a life. million different directions. So, yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for making a delicious espresso. Absolutely. Uh, it is a bit strong. It's a Cuban espresso. So uh, this is what I have probably twice a day. It's my go-to. How'd you get into writing? I, I, first of all, nice sports, sportser. Uh, that's the matte cream. What do they call that color? I like to call it blonde. Matte blonde, matte blonde or just blonde? I mean, just blonde. That's awesome. I'm going to adjust this mic real quick because I think it's... There we go. Comfortable? I think so. Good. Can you hear me? I feel like it's going in and out. Oh, do you? No, no, I can hear you. Can okay. you hear me, Claire? Yep. Because I wonder... Try again. Testing one, two, three. Yeah, I'll just stay put. Okay. Whatever is comfortable. Uh, it's usually not a big deal, too. Usually I can edit it or fix it up. So how'd you get into writing? Um, I watched The Long Way Down and Long Way Up. and uh, No, Long Way Round and The Long Way Up. Is that? No, Down. Now I'm forgetting like which ones came first. Yeah, it was round, then down, and now up came out in 20, what was it, 2020? In the midst of COVID. Almost 19, I think one of them came out in 19 and 20. Yeah. Something around there. And, um. And that, that, so you just got into bikes. Yeah. I'd been traveling a little bit, um, and I went to Paris and stayed by myself in a hotel (laughs) Uh, and wanted to see kind of how it would feel to live in Paris. And I was there for like a week and a half was, you know, the max I could afford lived in a little tiny uh, hotel there. And um, weirdly, my French teacher from Alabama had moved to Versailles. And so I took the train out to see her. And the people out there were so friendly. One of them, I asked her where... Uh, the address was to find my French teacher and she literally took me on a tour of the whole town and pointed things out and that's beautiful uh, yeah what town were you in Versailles oh Vers- Versailles yeah, yeah. sorry Versailles and you know. um I bought a baguette and cheese and a cider and laid in you know the grass of the estate and it just felt more open and friendly, and um, I got a whole different flavor of France, you know, it was just a little bit, and so when I saw Long Way Around, I thought, man, that's that's the way to travel through places, because there's no barrier, you know, you're, you're in the physical space, you're smelling the smells, you're feeling the rain or the wind, uh, and I think it lends itself to, you're just more accessible to people as well, especially if you're uh, traveling alone, which I do primarily or have done, um, you know, you roll up to a place by yourself on a bike and people are immediately, um, I think they're intrigued 
and they're more apt to, you know, they have something to talk to you about, you know. And, and it's easier to approach people. Where'd you come from? Do you need directions? Do you need anything? Absolutely. It, it's, it becomes a real big part of your body. Um, I tell people all the time, and I've said it on this podcast many times, that it, it's the strangest thing because every time I approach my motorcycle, there's a little bit of a fear, you know, and I've been riding almost 25 years now, okay? Uh, there's always a little bit of fear. Uh, sometimes I'm out at night and I'm cold, you know, and, I, and I'm, you know, I'm chilly. Um, few times, you know, I've had a drink or two and I feel a little buzzed. But there's something about as I'm walking to the bike, I, I, I feel these, you know, all these feelings, you know, right before I get onto the bike. But the moment I, I throw a leg over and I turn on the bike, everything goes away. Everything, everything. Like yeah. if I'm freezing, you know, yeah. if, it, if it's, well, in California, if it's like 50 <laughs> something, you know, that's still cold for us. But now I'm on a bike going 80 miles an hour and I don't feel the cold. I, I don't stress out about the cold. All of a sudden, that fear of riding or, you know, oh, man, be careful. All of a sudden, like, all my senses are hyper, you know, hyped up. And I'm looking at mirrors and wheels. And, you know, it, it, it's it's an amazing way to experience a city. And you feel more of the city. A car yeah. is so boring that you just kind of, like, you're on your phone. You're playing with the radio. You're Oh, a million percent. Yeah. You know, I, I watch it as I'm going by these cars that are, you know, almost hitting me because <laughs> they're on their phones or they're eating or, and I'm guilty too. I'm not going to pretend like I don't because it's LA traffic is terrible. It, it, it's absolutely. And so you're sitting there for an hour. What could have been a 20 minute drive? You're sitting there for an hour just in bumper to bumper. And so you just, your attention span isn't that long. And um, I think cars are so easy to drive that you end up doing a billion things. Yeah. Motorcycles, I think, put you in a flow state. And I think that's why it's so addictive because it's no matter how long you've been riding, especially in L.A. traffic, you have to pay attention. You have to be in the present. 100%. And if your attention uh, just lags for a second, you can get into real trouble. So I think that's why... It's just very clearing of the mind to get on the bike because you just can't focus on anything else. Yeah. So, so you watch you watch these these shows, these documentaries, you know, and and you say, and now you're in Paris, and now you're like, wait a minute, I want a bike. This is the well, only way. Like Paris was first, and then I watched the documentaries, and it all just kind of clicked. You know, like I took the experience of being in Paris and then going out to Versailles and like getting that space and traveling through the countryside um, on the train and um, watching the documentary was just like on a whole different level. I mean, Ewan and Charlie just traveled. Yeah, for those those people who have not seen the docu-series, it's Ewan McGregor. (laughs) But just in case. Most people, those two have gotten so many people into riding. I think it's pretty, um, it's pretty ubiquitous. But they travel around the world on on um, BMW motorcycles, and um, yeah, it's just the way they're able to interact with people. And and you know, they need people's help. They need to stop places. They need to get out of the yeah, mud. They deal with and, real you know, issues. And when you create that kind of team team building exercise with like random strangers it just immediately connects to you connects you to the place and the people and um i've experienced that for sure i took um 
a trip to New Zealand and rode around on uh, Triumph Tiger 800 that I rented down Great there. Great bike. And I just, I brought, you know, a hiking pack and I just taught myself. I went to REI, I went to Sammy's and I just asked, you know, this is what I'm doing. Let's brainstorm the gear that I need and, you know, the, the, um, what do I, what are the clothes that I need? How do I prepare? I yeah, how, how do I, I camp out? Waterproof. Yeah, totally. What happens if it rains? Oh my God. It's yeah. so much fun. Like I love gear. I love researching all that stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would. I would camp in a spot and I'd wake up with a little note that said, hey, you know, if you need anything, call this number. I saw that you were alone, blah, blah, blah. That's so, amazing. That's yeah, great. I always felt like people think that it's so scary to travel alone, especially as a woman. I always feel like there, I don't, maybe once or twice I've gotten, you know, a little weird, weird vibes vibe. and you just bounce. But for the most part, I feel held, you know, by the people that, around me people like really step up what's what's crazy is 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 people people in general are nice people you know like people are like you know friends and family like oh man watch out strangers too many strangers i go you know what i I, and again i've said this so many times if i was to get a flat tire in one of my cars i i can probably get help from a stranger before i can convince a friend (laughs) to get to the 405 (laughs) and and come and help me change a tire you know what i mean and just to be clear i don't need anybody to help me change a tire but the (laughs) point is you know like if you just need something yeah a stranger will come through you know more than anything or or here's another way to look at it we're we're worried about strangers strangers this strangers that be careful all strangers gotta take advantage of you blah 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 we jump on freeways every day with thousands of people driving cars that weigh thousands of pounds right. that at any moment can just create chaos. That's right. And and we have no problems, you know. I mean, yeah, of course you got a few assholes here and there. And what's the worst thing? A fuck you or a honk and you know that's it? That, that, yeah, that, you that's have to believe in the collective uh, you know, the rules and and believe that people are going to follow them I, on the motorcycle especially you know i did learn my lesson that double yellow lines don't mean fuck you know yeah but uh yeah that's um you just kind of you just got to trust vigilance but you well, trust that people aren't going to be yeah completely you, you, you need crazy you, you need to be you need to be um you need to be prepared you need to be pay attention um a major uh, a major amount of accidents is rider error. You know, I strongly believe that. Uh, you probably don't know this, but I used to be the general manager for Harley Davidson years ago, and I and I and I sold tons and tons and tons of bikes. And every time I heard about an accident, it was just it was rider error. You know, I hate to say it, but it was rider error. And the two popular ones is the T bone on the you know on the cross street, mm-hmm. you know, where a car's making a left and somebody's riding very aggressive very fast and the car doesn't expect this bike to come at that speed they take the turn they crash and you always hear like some asshole turned in front of me we used to service the police bikes and i was like what happened to frank well you know witnesses said the guy was going 60 70 miles an hour on you know van nuys boulevard or ventura boulevard Mm -hmm. or something it's like you can't go that speed on you know on on something (laughs) that like that so it's right error, and then turns. People always mess up on turns. They take turns too aggressive. They don't yeah. break on time, and that's that's. Those are the two biggest accidents. And and I just strongly believe that's that's right error. Absolutely, I think there's a big contingent of that. I think also, you know, 
I, I see some of these guys. There was a guy riding two days ago. Uh, I was riding to work, and there was a guy on a sports bike sitting side saddle, you know, going, I was going 70. He was probably going 80 yeah. you know, down the highway, just mucking about, which is fine to each his own. But, right. you know, don't don't tell me that I'm an organ donor because I ride safely. <laughs> I don't sit side saddle going 80 miles an of hour. Of course. Down the, what, what's crazy too is that um, I I think I think it's more dangerous driving a car in L.A. than a motorcycle. I mean, I don't know the stats. I'm going to believe you. I'm just going to say yes. Yeah, th- and the, re- <laughs> the, the, the reason I'm <laughs> telling you that I'll, is uh, I'll believe it. I'm going to let's let's start that rumor. Okay, I, I appreciate <laughs> it. The reason I'm saying that is because lately people are driving so aggressive that if you're next to somebody that's driving aggressive in your car. There's no way to avoid that person. You're stuck in traffic. They will follow you. They will harass you. You can't do anything. On a motorcycle, you can just like... Sorry, gone. You just split between two cars and you're out you're of the gone. way. Yeah. And and I've seen, from what I've seen, especially... I've, do you have the Citizen app? Yes. Okay, the Citizen app is fucking terrifying. Like every five <laughs> minutes, there's like, you know, killing, stabbing, you know, police chase, whatever. Machete. There's so machete, many people with machetes pedestrian in LA. hit. Yes, yeah, oh so many God. people. I don't even know where they. I don't even know where to get a machete. The machete shop. Home Depot. But um, <laughs> I like the yeah. So, but most accidents that I see is people that are being aggressive and chasing people down, and this is why I'm like, wait a minute. Like when I ride my motorcycle, when I ride my my truck, I'm like, wait a minute, this. I hate this. I, I can't do nothing with the truck. I'm trapped. I, you know, with two cars in front of me, two cars behind me, I'm done. Yeah. And there's some assholes, hey, fuck you. Like, hey, dude, calm down. Like, what are you doing? Hey, I'm going to fucking do this. Dude, this is awkward. Like, you know, like, what do Man, I do? I'm in a Yaris. It's like a pregnant roller skate. You know, <laughs> I have no yeah. protection whatsoever. It's like a golf cart. But yeah, I think people in general don't uh, see me as the most aggressive person in the car. Yeah. Are you saying I'm aggressive? No, I'm kidding. It's totally your fault. <laughs> 90% <laughs> of the time, it's my fault. Yeah, it's probably that too. That too. But people, yeah, but people act like fools. People yeah. act like fools. So when you travel, are you renting motorcycles? Are you going like Eagle Riders? Or are you finding these? Well, I did. Uh, New Zealand, I rented, obviously, because otherwise that would have been a, a bit of a chore. Okay. Uh, and then. I'm going to turn up the AC a little bit, but I'm listening. Yeah, go for it. And. Um, I rode out to Moab, Utah on my bike. Um, I took like a week riding out by the Grand Canyon and then through Utah, which was mind-blowing. Like that was after New Zealand, and I had just no idea that that was in my backyard. And then I also rode up to um, Port Townsend, Washington uh, on my sports tour. So What were you doing there? I was photographing the... Uh, the Wooden Boat Festival, which is uh, put on by the same people who uh, host the Race to Alaska, which uh, is the documentary that I produced with my two producing partners. I, I was just watching the trailers of that. That's fucking crazy. So that that's so you you produced that. That's uh, a race that started what 2015, 16, 16, 16, and 15. I think it's 15. When, and what's what's the what's the story of how they got started and what is the race to Alaska? So the race to Alaska is 750 miles through the Inside Passage of British Columbia. It goes from Port Townsend, Washington, which is um, 
it's kind of it's outside of Seattle. It's the tippy top of of Washington State, kind of out on a peninsula, and then it goes to um, Victoria, Vancouver Island, and between those two is kind of the proving ground. You just there's a vetting process for all of the teams that enter this thing because it's kind what, of what, insane. What's that process like? I mean, well, I, it's an un supported unmotorized boat race through some of the most treacherous waters that you can find and so um you need to the 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 people who host the race need to make sure that whoever's entering knows what they're doing because it's potentially yeah it's it's a big deal so um there's a panel of uh anonymous judges that look at the teams look at their um you know their credentials and what they've done and so forth, and make sure that they they're eligible to go into the race and kind of know what they're doing and won't get themselves killed. So somebody's overlooking that. Yeah, for sure. So the proving and, and, ground and, and is the, just and the to states, make sure. And the states also, you know, part of this, the Coast Guards. I mean, yes, actually, they partnered with the Coast Guard um, early on, and um, Pickerel. I forget her, Susan Pickerel, and I forget um, her title at the time. She has since retired or moved um, into a different um, job title, but she was uh, head of the Coast Guard, I think, in um, on Vancouver Island, and she partnered with uh, race boss Daniel, and they kind of put into place certain parameters in which it would keep both the Coast Guard um, safe and the racer safe, you know, because... Is she the one that said, um, we, we don't search for dead bo- or dead bodies? That's right. Yeah. yeah. We don't search for dead bodies, only life bodies, yeah. You know, the that's, first that's time I ever up. sat into the captain's uh, meeting uh, was the first time I was at the race to Alaska. I'd been hired as a photographer um, in 2017, was my first year, and it... Like it was for most of the racers, I think, or for a lot of the racers, it was kind of a wake up call for me. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I tend to just say yes, That's crazy. and then <laughs> and then I'll figure it out as I go. But uh, yeah, she said that, and I think she's. I mean, it's true, uh, and yeah, she also sense. said it to kind of wake people up um, because the race itself has uh, a good sense of humor. It's kind of like this dark funny you know um sense of humor about itself uh first place is is 10 grand second place is steak knives steak knives i know you know that kind of thing but it's a real it's a real hairy deal and if you don't know what you're doing and you don't take it seriously then you can get yourself into some serious trouble and even after the vetting process you know the proving ground from port townsend to um victoria vancouver island is a big deal and um it's there to kind of weed out the people who didn't prepare correctly. You know, maybe they they know what they're doing potentially, but uh, once they get up on the open waters and you know these boats, no motor, that's a whole different deal. You could have been on the water your whole life if you don't have a motor on board. You don't have an easy out, and so you know. Luckily, I didn't. I don't, I've never done the race. I don't. I'm not gonna do the race. But um, yeah, you gotta. It's a different mentality. Hopefully, you know, you're prepared for it and 
you've trained with your boat and your team and that whole thing. And if you didn't, then the proving ground is going to kind of um, call you out. It, it is because documenting this is very complex. It's a very intricate project. Uh, did the film crew have a motored boat? Oh, yeah. Okay. And they, oh, they were yeah. able to like just go forward, back, do take yeah, whatever yeah, shots. Yeah. Did they ever jump on uh, other people's boats? And Yeah, there's been a whole range of things that have documented this um by the time we got to the editing process there were seventy thousand unique clips that our editor went through yeah um and so greg king is a is a god he's amazing um and he you know we've we've gotten footage from the racers at the end of the race um zach who has been with the race from the beginning? He's the film boss um, and is also the director of the film. He would, you know, collect all of that footage. Um, they would collect it halfway through the race, and in the meantime, uh, there are people out on the course like myself. Um, like, you know, there have been so many uh, cinematographers and um, produce like you know associate producers, <laughs> essentially on the race course filming this thing and. Um, and then there's, you know, there's people who follow the race on a tracker and will come out and like, you know, just film people for fun because it just it's inspiring and it's fun and it's, you know. So people just tag along. And yeah, yeah, totally. They'll cool. come out on boats and like interview people and like post it. And so, so I should do a podcast next time there. Just bring a podcast boat. Yes. Oh, my God. That'd be you you look fun. miserable. I mean, let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Wow! If somebody mean, fell people, off board, there there's a small contingent that do it to win, but most people do it to see if they can't do it, you know. And yeah. so there's just uh, it's like summer camp for me, you know. I love the people, the people that I met there, the racers, the organizers, the the support because it's a nonprofit, and so there's a lot of there's just volunteers galore and people who love the race and love the. Idea the challenge yeah you know it's everything is more and faster these days and the race to alaska really emphasizes like less and slower yeah <laughs> you know and i think that's something that we might look at might want to get back to because it's better you know the challenge is better the challenge is better because you something to look forward to it makes you more appreciative of of life of family, of everything, you know, we're kind of on this, you know, cruise of not worrying about nothing. Everybody has had the access to the same thing. Like, there's yeah. nothing to survive. Like, we're so fucking bored that we're yeah. looking for reasons to fight. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're wearing a jean shirt in, in the studio. Like, God. why are you wearing a jean shirt in the studio? Like, you know, it's dumb. Yeah. Like, we have totally. nothing to worry Your about. Your team jean shirt. Ooh. Yeah, what? Yeah. Ew. Boo. <laughs> like, you know, you have more coffee than I. Like, anything. Anything. Yeah. People are, because there, there's no, you don't have to survive. You don't have to stress. You don't have to worry about where you're getting your next meal or, or you know, where you're going to sleep tonight or, you know, uh, how you're going to get somewhere. Or even little problems back in the days. Like, they were annoying but they're kind of like you talk about it. Like I was talking to a friend of mine. I go, man, remember back in the days before Uber, you know, before Uber, you know, when I was a teenager, you would go to a party with a friend. And if you want to leave that party, you were trapped. And you were like, dude, take me home, man. I want to go home. <laughs> 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 you know? And yeah. now and now it's like, oh, 
Uber, oh, like kids are doing it. Like yeah, yeah. It, sure. It's trippy. Communication. Oh, my God. You used to, you know, call somebody on the landline and say, hey, I'm going to be at this place at this time. And then everybody just magically showed up. Showed up. On that day and that time. It was like magic. Nowadays, it's, you know, herding cats because it's so easy to cancel or change it. And you you didn't have to worry about it. Like it's or what if your 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 watch ran out of battery or something? You didn't know what time it was. You had to call a phone number and the number would be like <laughs> at the tone of the beat, Pacific Standard Time will be in three forty and you know be like, Oh hold, what time is it? Like people really walked up to each other in the street and do you know the time? Yeah. Like we had no t- no idea what time it was. Yeah. But those little things and then the big things, you know, uh, gave us something to look forward to or worry about or whatever. It just kept us, you know. Yeah. On, on you know on our toes now fuck you got this instant grati- gratification you know amazon be there in two hours why is it taking two yes. hours it should be here quicker you know uh, and it just kind of feeds into this um ability to be busier you know like the easier all those other things are to get done i can fill my space with more s- work or more other things and it just becomes kind of overwhelming I think that's why I loved, uh, I was so drawn to the race to Alaska. You know, I'm Swedish and both my, my dad grew up on an island and my mom um, used to race sailboats. So I felt like it was in my blood somewhere. But it's the same kind of sense as riding a motorcycle. You just, you strip things down, you know, and you get on a bike and you pack it for a long ride and I like to camp, you know, I'll do like three days camping and then I'll get a really nice hotel room and, and clean myself up. But it's, you know, you get two shirts, a, a pair of pants, really good gear. Yeah. And, you know, how you break your toothbrush in half so you can fit it into your little satchel and some toothpaste. And that's pretty much it, you it's know, so wild. like a comb. Yeah, <laughs> you don't so need wild. a comb. I need yeah. a comb, though. Yeah, but, but I need a uh, razor. I need a razor. Right, right. But it's so nice. And when you strip your your entire life down to a bag for several weeks you realize how little you actually need and then you come back to your house and you're like well look at all this stuff yeah yeah i i, I say that without the camping i'm like look at all this stuff what the fuck's going on it's just too much yeah it's too much but we're supposed to it, it's it's interesting because it, it's like the marketing companies like i was just thinking about this the other day their job is to convince you that you need something you don't need. Yes. They are trying to take your money in exchange for something they have to offer. And I don't know why. I was thinking about it this way. I was like, wow, this is really fucking weird. And they're really getting us there. I mean, they're getting me. And they're getting a lot of people. Well, look, you need this little plastic thing because that helps you do this one specific task because it's going to save you like three seconds out of your day. And if day. you buy now... You can have five of them. (laughs) You can have five in case four of them breaks. You'll have an extra. It's lifetime guarantee, but we'll include (laughs) four more if you call now. You know, so but but that's they're good at that, and and this is why everybody in America has fifty TVs, and everybody in America has you know three four refrigerators and ten coffee pots, and it's just absurd. Three four cars, you know, multiple motorcycles. It's like yeah, yeah, it's weird. Like I'd never. It, it took me a while to realize that because I'm Swedish and, um, you know, I grew up in Alabama, so there was a real cognitive dissonance there in the middle. Um, and I didn't quite understand that 
my whole way of thinking about the world was different because I come from Sweden. It's more of a socialistic economy and um, you don't have uh, credit. You don't, debt is not acceptable really, you know, and uh, unless it's for a house or education, you just don't, you don't collect debt. Whereas here it's like, oh yeah, no, you need debt and you need credit and you need to like do all this stuff that puts you in the hole. And like the whole idea of it was very strange to me, like leasing a car. I'm like, no, you just get a car that you can afford and you pay for it outright. That's it. Yeah. You know, my little Yaris, my little pregnant roller skate, you know, I just paid for it. And now it's, it's not a monthly payment for me, you know, and it's a whole different way of thinking about it. I'm not saying one way is essentially wrong, but it was definitely, um, it was a realization for me that I just think in a different way about these, um, like consumerism, capitalism, all of that stuff. But people adapt pretty quick. You know, my, my background's Cuban and Cuba today, like, you know, I was last in Cuba two years ago. They, they have no value for money because they can't do nothing with it. There's no stores, there's no yeah. malls, there's no nothing. But if you give them a t-shirt, yeah. If you give them a pair of shoes or slippers, they'll lose their fucking mind. Toothpaste, toothbrush, right. they'll lose their fucking mind, you know. Yeah. And then they come here, and it's a uh, it, it's it's a game changer. And within fuck five years, they're in debt. Yeah. <laughs> they're buying cars and credits because it's so easy. Well, and it's and also perceived as if you need you know need and want get confused. Right. But yeah, I was in Cuba. Uh, I mean, time time right now is, is difficult because I feel like I lost two years. So maybe five years, four years ago. And um, it was... Before a wife? It, it was right because Obama opened it up so I could fly directly from LAX to Havana. Yeah. And then Trump took... I, I think it was like in the early months of the Trump administration. I thought, I better go right now because things up, are going to yeah. get, get tricky again. So, um, yeah, I think I ate rice and chicken for a couple of weeks and, you know, there weren't any stores. We tried to stay at Airbnbs and not hotel too. Which are hard to find as well. They're there. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely there and it it brings money back to the actual person as opposed to, you know, the government. Kind of, because it's a bunch of people in Miami running it. Oh. So if they're working with their family, they get the money, but usually it's the people in Miami and they just cut them like a little... Like, hey, Chico, we're renting your house out, blah, blah, blah. we'll send you the money because Airbnb doesn't work in Cuba. Oh, man. Sanctions. So, man. But it's still, still well. Slightly yeah. better. Slightly better. Well, I thought I did something good. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. It's better because you're still bringing, I'm, I'm sure you gave them clothes. I'm sure they their house got occupied. I'm sure they yeah, made yeah. some kind of money. And, and they don't need to make that that much money because, again, there's nothing to buy. There's Right. No, but No, I remember one of the guys who owned the Airbnb they uh, couldn't get windows to put into the Airbnb. And, you know, Westerners come down there and it was loud and they were, you know, they wanted to be able to close the windows and whatever. And they were like, well, you know, it's going to take a few months to get the windows supplied. If like, they get it, yeah. Yeah, totally. And, but, I mean, it was crazy coming back even within two weeks and walking into a grocery store and just the abundance just hits you i could have anything well here quick quick thing just to add to that um 
Did you stay, uh, did you check out the Manzana, the Manzana Hotel? In Havana? In Havana. No. So in Havana, uh, it's the first uh, foreign company to that's been allowed to invest into Cuba. Mm. And it's Kapinski, which I think is a Swedish company. The, I think Kapinski. It sounds Finnish. Yeah, it's, it's something over there. I don't, I don't know exactly, but I, I believe it was Swedish. And they have a lot of hotels. They have in Qatar, Dubai. They have all over the world, mm-hmm. except for in the West, you know, the West Side. Mm-hmm. And this is the first property they have is in Cuba. And they got basically a 250-year-old building, gutted it, and it's the first renewed, you know, uh, project in oh, Havana. Wow. Um, when I stayed there, there was a guy that was so fucking cool. This guy was so nice, and 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 then you know at the end of the trip, I gave him some money, and he's like, "Hey, you know, like, you know, like, I can't do anything, you know, much, whatever." He's all, "Can you do me one favor?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, anything." And he goes, um, "In the United States, he's telling me in Spanish." He goes, "In the United States, I, I heard there's a store called um, Home Depot," and I'm a Home Depot because he's he's a Home Depot. Hay una tienda que se llama Home Depot. And I'm a Home Depot? He goes, Home Depot. I go, okay, what about it? He goes, I hear you can get anything from that store. Shit. And I go, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. He goes, can you walk inside and record it in the inside? Because I can't even imagine what it is to like, you know, because again, your windows break down, you're fucked. You know, if you're, if paint gets fucked up, you're fucked. Your door breaks, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. And, and and just to hear that, I was like, wow, this is That's fucking so crazy. Up. Yeah. It's yeah, so it fucking just, crazy. It really makes you assess what you have and what you don't, right? Yeah. What you think you have and what yeah. you think you don't have. Yeah. There are very few things, I think, uh, in the States that you don't have. Me, personally. I'm not yeah. going to speak for everybody. but No, no, of course. Of course. Each their own. Yeah. But um, anyways, back to the Alaska. So then you get this vibe because you you have you have to pack up. You have such minimal gear. You have to sleep in the middle of the ocean. Like it, it, it's it's this survivor, you know, survivor die kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, people do it on all kinds of uh, vessels. They'll do it. There can be a two hundred fifty thousand dollar trimaran, uh, and then you can have you know. Carl Kruger, who did it on a stand-up paddleboard, which is wow, by far, I think, the most minimal uh, vessel. And he's the still the only person who's done it on stand-up. And um, I'm sure will be the only one. <laughs> I mean, he's a special human being, yeah. for sure. Um, we have another documentary that we're um, producing right now in pre-production, and um, Carl is going to stand-up paddle through the Northwest Passage, which, you know, you have this brilliant photo here to my right with a huge um, iceberg coming out of out of the the water and that's pretty much what it looks like up there um, unfortunately you know the northwest passage was historically it's up in the arctic in between um, north america and the arctic circle and historically it was impassable in one summer you know it, w- it was so frozen over that you couldn't get through and now it's been open for eight nine years in a row and so um, he wants to stand up paddle, and if anybody can do it, it's definitely him. Plus, he'll, it's a good way to raise awareness to where we are right now. You know, somebody can stand up paddle the Northwest Passage. That is insane. That's we are that's in trouble. 
Yeah, right before you came, I was trying to read so much about Alaska, and and it's just, it's so fucking crazy. Alaska's crazy. Yeah. And huge. It's huge, and it's incredible to get into these spaces that are so remote that you just, you don't have any cell service, you don't see people for days, and that's so rare. I think, and a lot of people will never experience that, and it's, it really, it does something, you know, it's very cleansing for me, it's um, kind of a reset button to get back up there and, and experience that, um, it's been a couple of years now, because during COVID, they didn't do the race to Alaska the first year, and then they did, um, because Canada wouldn't allow uh, travel, they did what was called the uh, Washington 360, which was around the Puget Sound. is about 360 miles um, that they did instead of the race to Alaska. So this year will be the first year back since COVID, which is amazing because the, the movie is going to premiere up there June 2nd, which is my birthday. Nice. Happy so birthday. Thank you. So it's going to be a, a kind of a family screening. And then, of course, we have the L.A. premiere uh, of the documentary on um, There's a few of them, right? Thursday. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be at the Lemley Monica Film Center Thursday at 7.30, and then um, it's going to be in NoHo and Pasadena on Monday and Tuesday. So, I'm going to try to catch the... No, I'm not going to try. I'm going to catch the, the one on Monday. Awesome. Yeah, I yeah. reached out to Gene, um, the head of membership down at the bike shed, and yeah, I love that place. I fucking love that place so hard. He was like, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And so he sent out a blast immediately that, you know, one of the members was having the screening of uh, the documentary. And he was like, let's try to get a ride together. And, again, it's been so nice to have that space uh, that after That space, COVID. that support. The support. The, the, the stories. Community. The community. Oh just right now. I mean, it's been three, four weeks. And just the yeah. stories that you hear. I, th- I think it was Amir. Uh, her bike broke down in downtown LA. You know, yeah. Everybody came through. She just signed up for membership. She had yes. no idea what was going on. Everybody came through. Yep. Somebody else dropped their bike. We're in a group chat on Instagram, and she was like, "I dropped my bike." Everybody responded. You know, I took my truck. I went over there. By the time I went over there, there was three other people that That's had moved, picked so up the bike, moved the bike, and oh you know, God. I was like, "This is great." You know, this is this is what it's about. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, I I've seen. It doesn't matter what I've seen. The fact is, bike shed was super necessary, and yep. I've been super appreciative. Uh, you know, Gene did the same thing. You know, I I saw the blast that he did about the you know your the documentary. Um, randomly two weeks ago, he was like, hey, check out Robert's podcast, the Ride Boundless podcast. And I was like, this is fucking awesome, you know? Yeah. And then I ended up getting my motorcycle uh, racing license, and he was like, oh, and congratulations cool. about your motorcycle racing license. I was like, how the fuck did he even know that? Like, this it's is... so sweet. They're, they're, they're on top of it. They're yeah. on top of it. Um, when did you hear about the company? Long way up. Long, well, you about and the bike Charlie, show? yeah, you and Charlie rode in to Los Angeles oh. as like the final destination, and they rode into the bike shed. What? Like, What's the what? bike shed? What the hell is this? Bike. You know, I'm in the motorcycle community in LA. What? What's this place? How I've not heard of this, and it looked huge. And um, so I checked it out after I'd watched um, the last episode when it aired originally, which I think was twenty. I think they wrote it 2019, and then. It came out 2020. 
if I'm not mistaken. And anyway, so I looked it up. It wasn't open yet, but they were um, accepting members. And so For two years, I yeah. remember like writing a little essay about why I wanted to join and how much the, the motorcycle community meant to me, which is interesting because I, I learned how to ride so that I could travel on a motorcycle through other countries. But, and I had no idea that the motorcycle community even existed, like how strong that community was. And um, it's been such a cool experience to, especially in LA, you know, it's, it's huge. I had kind of moved away from acting and so I didn't have that community anymore. And uh, to kind of find that those people um, was really nice because I, I think starting to ride and finding the community and, and um, the whole experience, it has been so pivotal in kind of who I am in the world. And it was as if I found my place in a weird way. Like it's this weird intersection of all I, these I, different things. I feel the same thing. I know exactly what you're saying. And I just, man, I'm so grateful that, um, that I found that, you know. And it was completely unexpected. Yeah, no, me too. Uh, the same same thing. I, I, that place for me, it's like I've been looking for it this whole time. I, like I didn't know to look for it. But yeah. Like I found it. Yeah. And and I found out late. You know, I found out on their. Uh, I guess the grand opening was on a Thursday for members. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about it. And then Friday was the grand opening for the public. And then somebody was like, "Hey, you got to check out this bike shed thing." I'm like bike shed, what is this? And I'm like, you have to come in. It's blah 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 blah. I showed up and I was like, what? Member lounge? Cool couches? Look at the deck. Wow, they didn't paint the walls white. There's some cool decoration. Holy shit. The food's good. The drinks are good. Good pour. Good pour. Yeah. I, what? Yeah. Next day I signed up. Sunday showed up for the, the ride. And then uh, I was like, I hope they accept my membership. I hope I, and then I, I was, I still was able to lock in a better pricing because mm-hmm. it wasn't fully updated. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, I'm not going to try to pull a fast one. I'll let them know that I signed up and it was that price. Anyways. So I show up, it's like eight in the morning. And then I see this, uh, I see this woman uh, with a tank top tattoos and uh, you know, she's talking and her voice is like, you know, like she's been partying all night or screaming all night and <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And I, and I say, sweetie, you, you should get a scarf, get some tea, some honey. It'll be good for your, your throat, you know? And she's like, you're a darling, you're a darling. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, by the way, I just signed up for membership. I, I, I hope I get approved. Who would I speak to? I want to join the ride today. And she's like, I like you. You're approved. You're, you're good. You're good. Go, go speak to Dan. And then I go to speak to Dan. And I was like, Dan, you know, I signed up for this price. He goes, you're good. She says you're good. You're good. I'm like, who's that? She's the owner. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, this was, you know, perfect. Nice. I'm happy I said get some tea and yeah, put on Mickey. a scarf. Oh, she's the best. She, she, so she's so rad. awesome. I mean, everybody is. Every, she's they so awesome. set the tone, though. Yeah. Dutch and Vicky set the tone. And, and Dutch, when he talks, fuck. This guy's so poetic, and you're just like, oh, for four. You feel like fighting or conquering something, you know? Yeah. When yeah. he starts talking, it's so amazing. It's, they've, they've, man. I mean, I knew that I wanted to be a part of um, that type of community, and then I, I saw the space, you know, before it was even done, and it blew my mind. Like, they just, thank you for investing in the LA bike community because I think it was really needed. Like that kind of investment and commitment is um, huge 
and take Humongous. some serious balls. But they, they, especially they, through COVID and the supply shortages and the construction. I mean, I, that must no, have kudos, been kudos to them. Crazy they, experience. But they have a big fucking name. They they can they can do a lot. I mean, they're having their event right now in, in London, and they're bringing in, what, 25,000 people? Yeah. Or whatever, 23, 23 to 25,000 people? That's insane. Yeah, that's great. That's, a, that's, that's super great. So they're obviously, they know what they're doing. And I think they're going to open up a few more locations in, in the U.S. So that's looking here. forward to that. Yeah, if you're a member in one place, then you're a member in all of them, which yeah. is also super cool. Yeah, wh- and another cool thing for me was uh, the first member night meeting after I signed up. When I showed up, I was like, because I've been doing this podcast for two and a half years. Yeah. So this is episode 67. When I walked into the bike shed, there was like seven, eight people that I had interviewed. And I was like, what? What? Holy and these, and these are people so cool. that I went out of my way and researched. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you're yeah. cool. I like your business model. I like what you're doing to the community. And I was like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. And, and it was cool to see their face. And I was like, holy shit, this is this is where I belong. I had the same experience when I went to, um, I'd been talking to people. Like when I moved into my house in South LA, um, there is, there was a woman who lives one house down from me, uh, who came out and we started chatting and she's also, um, a documentary series producer. And she had a Harley iron Sportster, almost identical to mine, but white. And it was just such a weird coincidence. So she's a member. And then I showed up at the opening and there were, um, you know, all these different people that I met throughout the years um, writing out here. And it was really cool to see everybody and and to have it, it kind of there's a joke going around that uh, the bike shed is an MC for people who don't want to be in an MC, you yeah. know, because it's just across the board. It's all types of motorcycles. It's all types of people, all types of careers and, and uh, walks of it's life. It's all over the place, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Actors and cool. builders and people in the industry, people not in the industry. It, it, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's an MC for people that don't want to be in an MC. Totally. Yeah, that's, that's a perfect way of describing it. I, I, I've been in and, and, and all the events they're setting up. Did you sign up for the Supermoto? So I hope I left some. I'm sorry. Just, I'm pouring a little coffee. Um, I work weekends. I'm a massage therapist, and so weekends are a big deal for me, and I always have to kind of uh, pick and choose what I engage with on the weekends. Um, Luckily, meetings are Wednesday, Thursdays, but right now I'm just kind of deep into work on the weekends, unfortunately. So there's a lot of stuff coming up that I would love to be a part of. The Gentleman's Ride, of course, I think I'm going to miss, and um, some of those stuff. Because I'm going up to the race to Alaska, and, and being a part of um, some of the premieres and stuff is going to take me away anyway. So having to kind of pick and choose. Yeah. No, and, and May is such a busy month. Yeah. May is just a fucking busy month overall, but... You know, yeah, with all these biker sure. biker events, it's crazy. Um, I want to ask, but I don't want to spoil it, so don't answer it if it's going to spoil okay. anything. But it's it's seven hundred and forty miles, right? Seven hundred forty, seven fifty, seven fifty. How long does that take on a boat? Can you answer that? How long does it take on a boat without a motor? Well, it just depends, okay, right? Let's say this even better. How long does it take with a boat with a motor? Um. Just to I get an think idea. So I went up, uh, oh God, I was so lucky. Man, I was so <laughs> lucky. First year, um, I show up, I have no idea what I'm doing. Across the board, no idea. 
you know, growing up in Alabama, I'd basically been on a pontoon boat. I didn't know what a dry suit was, which is basically a suit that keeps you alive if you fall into the freezing water. Yeah. Um, and then you pee on it to keep you more warm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I got the opportunity and I had about 10 minutes to decide we had gotten a um, sponsorship by Solius, which is a 16-foot rigid-hulled inflatable boat. It's basically a dinghy. And uh, they needed a cinematographer and a photographer to go up the inside passage on it. And we had a driver, uh, Tony. And I was like, sure. you know. So I repacked my stuff into a dry bag in 10 minutes, got on the boat. And we, I mean, we stopped at different ports along the way because... We were there to shoot the boats. It probably would have taken us maybe three days on a small boat like that. Uh, on a small boat with a motor. With a motor. But, I mean, we would show up in a port and they'd be like, where did you anchor your big boat? Because it looked like, you know, it looked like a support boat from right. a larger yacht-type <laughs> sailboat. Like, there was a couple of people who were absolutely convinced that we were, like, celebrities with, like, a yacht parked somewhere around the bend. And we're like, no, we're just dirtbags <laughs> in dry suits. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they couldn't tell from the way we smelled, I don't know. Something. They were just, they really wanted to believe it. Wow. Yeah. What, what about, um, do you want to talk about it, the sponsors? Yeah, we have um, Sistership, which is a uh, organization for women over uh, 50, 60 who are older and still just kicking butt and won't, you know, take age as an excuse. Um, That's and awesome. We have uh, Newman Ferreira, who is a lawyer out of New York, who sponsored us on Kickstarter. Um, we did a Kickstarter campaign. Thank you, all of our Kickstarter backers um, who supported us in finishing the film during COVID. So that was all like the post-production, all the, the mixing and the music and partly the editing and all of that stuff that is... Um, the rental of the equipment, the camp, yeah, there's so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was the Kickstarter campaign. We have um, Fishery Supplies, which is huge they've been a big big supporter of um, the actual race as well um and uh visit ketchikan obviously the race finishes in ketchikan alaska and um they're a sponsor as well and then we have um what's the last there's always the last one that you can't think of right um fisheries and i can't remember <laughs> i'm trying to see it in my head I have to check my phone. Please do. Is is that the city that that there's no roads that go to it? Because no. there's a city in Alaska yeah. that there's no roads. Well, there's the whole thing about going up uh, from, like the long way up, potentially is a road that most a lot of motorcycles take but they go all the way up to Alaska. And so I don't know where that road ends. Yeah, because I, I was just watching one. They said the only way to get there is by boat or plane. And the fun fact about that city was that there's a pizza delivery company that delivers <laughs> pizza <laughs> via airplane and delivery's free. That's great. I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. That, that's how important pizza is. That's how important survival is. Well, you know, I think in Alaska... 
getting on a on a plane to get places is not so weird. Um, I took a road trip up to Tuktoyaktuk uh, with Carl, um, our director at the time, Yana, and who's also shot for the race. And um, we were in a car, which usually during the winters, you'll drive on an ice road. Like the only way to get there is they make an ice road um, from, uh, what is it? Uh, I'm forgetting the, the town right before Tuck. But um, yeah, I mean, and, and if you can't, like in between the, the hamlets up there that are on the northern, like by the Arctic Ocean, you really you just have to fly from place to place because that's the only way to get anywhere. And there are a whole, it's like a whole nother time situation because there's no way to really get places on time. You just have to wait for the weather. That's insane. I, can't, I really can't imagine living like that. But there's people, I guess, that's it. Yeah, I wonder how many Alloway people community choose. Up there. Yeah. Well, I, I know there's a community and people that live in that community, I'm sure, you know, they're used to it. Like, they're, like, they're like, fuck L.A. or New York or, you know, that's too busy. This is, this is life. But I wonder how many people actually like quit this life to go to Alaska, you know, or or a country or a state or something that's like that extreme. I mean, I feel like there were a lot of people during COVID, um, you know, that that were living. Ah, oh, first federal, duh. So first federal is our last sponsor, and I just couldn't. Yeah, uh, actually, one of the winners. I'm not going to say who. Uh, had a huge <laughs> we're sponsored by first federal and um so yeah they're they're a bank up in uh, the pacific northwest that are really community-based and were incredibly kind to support the the film That's but awesome. uh what were we talking about we were talking about people living la to go to alaska and live oh there. yeah i mean tons of people went out to the desert here and you know kind of ended up being over the big cities because when everything closed down you couldn't go to the symphony you couldn't go to theaters you couldn't i mean there was a time in la where you they shut down uh, hiking trails and the beach and that's so right. what was left that's right yeah i remember that Bunyan canyon yeah, yeah it was like, oh, great. Santa Monica. yeah do you want to give everyone depression <laughs> like wow i forgot about that that yeah. was terrible yeah yeah it, I mean, it we was, all it feel a little extreme. weird still, and we've kind of forgotten why we feel really odd. Well, I just feel like two years of my life were just, like, deleted and out of my life. Like, yeah. you know, I, I try not to think about it, but but fuck, hike. You couldn't even go hiking. No. They were like, no, you can catch it out of the, the thin air. I mean, I remember I was I was out running, and I would, like, pull up my bandana running past people. Like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. What's happening? And and now there's a war with the whole Ukraine and nobody talks about COVID anymore. There's no more COVID. No more COVID. It's gone. Magic. Magic. (laughs) Two years deleted. Magic. But I mean, so many people ended up realizing that they can work remotely. So tons of people have kind of moved into other areas. It changed the economy. It changed. It changed everything. Mm -hmm. It it changed everything for, for the future of of working of how people deal with it. It changed everything. It really didn't. And I, I don't know if it's good or bad. I think it created possibilities for people. And you can either go back to the cities and, and your workplace, or you can advocate 
to work remotely. And yeah. I don't think necessarily that's a bad thing, especially given how um, expensive cities have become, uh, how congested. That aspect is, is I agree with. The, the, the thing that I'm worried about is people dealing with people. Like, yeah. you know, it just seems like people don't even want to look at each other. People don't want to say how everybody's just in their zone. You know, it, it, you, you need more reason to stay home and not go out. Cool. Work at yeah. home. I think, well, hopefully, you know, I, I'm usually a doomsdayer, but <laughs> hopefully, you know, if people are moving to smaller towns and stuff, you kind of have to. That's part of being in those spaces is becoming part of the community. And I think that's one of the things that draws people to smaller towns and working remotely is um, finding that sense of community again. Like I said, I moved to South LA. I bought a house down there four years ago, four years ago. And, um, that community down there is amazing. You know, I know all of my neighbors by name. They are constantly looking out for me. I accidentally left my garage door open. My neighbor stood outside for an hour until um. I could get home to make sure that my stuff didn't get stolen. I mean, that kind of neighborliness is incredible. Yeah. So I think um, it's available in the big cities. You just have to go outside, to make eye contact, shake some hands and, and engage, you no. know. Yeah, I, 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 I think you do see it, but a lot less. Yeah. Like, this is a new building, and, you know, I moved in right when it was built, and I saw everybody move in. I only know two neighbors. Like, right. And, you know, like, wishy-washy kind of. You should, like, bake some cookies and yeah. go around and introduce yourself. I, I, I probably should, but... I'm not. Well, exactly. <laughs> I'm That's not. The thing. They should bake cookies. That's no, I'm the cookie. thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, you got to make the effort, you know? You like do. I've, I've baked, um, we have saffron rolls uh, for Ooh, Christmas I in love Sweden. Saffron. Yeah. And um, they're a sweet roll that looks like an S with li- little raisins in them. And they're not everyone's cup of tea, but I, I bake those and I give them out to my neighbors. Yeah, that's an acquired taste, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, so. You know, little things, Christmas chocolate or, you know, knock on someone's door. Like my neighbor called me when lockdown happened because she knows that I live alone and made sure that I was okay. And so then I called Hazel, who lives behind me and is in her 70s and made sure she was okay. And, you know, all this stuff builds up. And Donnie's and Jerry, man, they they make sure that my packages are taken care of constantly. Sometimes I'm even at home. And if I don't respond to a text message saying that I have a package on my porch, they'll just come over and grab it for me, you know? That's amazing. It's amazing, yeah. Uh, that's sweet. So it just takes a little bit of um, engagement, I think. Small communities are good, too. Um, e- even I was thinking about, you know, we're talking about the survival of life. And it's funny because if you break down, you know, a simple example, if you break down in, in Los Angeles, nobody's going to stop and check on you. It's just not going to happen. Number one, because it's in Los Angeles. Number two, there's no real threat. There's yeah. no real threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you go to these uh, small towns, people will stop because it's a small community and they recognize the car and they'll be like, are you okay? Can I help you? Let me call. I'll wait with you. Uh, but when you go to places like Alaska, if you see a car that's broken down, everybody's going to stop because it's, it's life or death. You know, like it, yeah. it's, it's a real issue. So people are actually, you know, like, hey, jump in my car. Is your car on? Whatever the case right. is, because it's life or death. Well, and the, the odds are you probably know that person anyway. Cause and there's, there's that, towns. too. But even even if you don't, 
you're, you're yeah. right. The, the chances are you will, but even if it's just a random person yeah. and their car breaks down, like it's life or you know life or death. We're here in LA. It's like nothing's life or death except for yeah. going to the supermarket or something, you know. But like your daily commuter breakdown, you know, we have AAA. We have you know again Uber. Well, and, and also lift. like pulling off on the side of the road can sometimes be impossible if you're eight lanes <laughs> in. You know, <laughs> so yeah. it's like a whole different thing. But I think, you know, I always say that people are so nice on the road and then I come home and I hold myself in my house and I don't engage, then people aren't going to be that nice. You know, if if I took if I take my traveling mentality um, and my curiosity of my surroundings and the people in it uh, to my house and engage in that kind of experience in my own community then it's going to look completely different. Yeah. You know, so I think that's a something that I've learned, kind of switching that flip, flipping that switch. Flipping the uh, switch. <laughs> Same difference. Switching the flip. Yeah. What, what, and uh, making sure that I engage in that, like, that space when, when I'm home, too. And just broader L.A. I, that was such a mind fuck during COVID when... You just couldn't engage in, in your community at all. Yeah. You know. Well, it got really weird. Restaurants, when they, nothing. Nothing. It got weird when the when they were encouraging people to rat their neighbors out. That was weird, oh too. Remember that? God. That was I fucking. Mean, Orwellian. Yeah, I, I, had pe- I had cops pull up, you know, because uh, I was in the house before this. I had cops drive by. Like, oh. you know, and I was like, oh, man, guys, hide in the garage because I was doing, like, a barbecue. Put your mask Yeah. <laughs> no, I was doing a barbecue, and <laughs> yeah. cops drove by. I don't oh know if somebody God. called them, but they were, like, you oh. know, they stopped at my gate, and they were looking. I was like, oh, fuck, man, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Who I called mean, them? I get it. I got it at, at the time. You know, I understand that nobody knew really what this thing was and uh, how to keep people safe. and But, yeah, the... The repercussions of of all of that stuff is uh, it's no wonder we feel weird, you know. Yeah. Like I'll wake up some mornings and just be overwhelmed by being back at work and having all this stuff come up and like the, you know, the premiere and my massage and then the bike shed and like all this stuff is amazing. But having spent a year and a half basically immobile by myself, it's been a, a an pretty brutal adjustment to like get back into stuff you know to really get back that um be in the habit of being busy i I remember the first ride we did after everybody was quarantined nobody could see anybody you know a group of friends and we were like you know let's let's fucking go for a ride we have to it's been so long yeah and it was like the perfect social distancing because we're all wearing helmets and gloves but we didn't even know how to approach each other we didn't know if we should hug you know like we were like what the fuck i'm all spraying alcohol on everybody (laughs) 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 you know it's it's it's, it's, wiping down your water bottle yeah yeah, it, it, it was so fucking crazy been a rodeo. I'm glad we're kind of past it. You know, vaccines, boosters, whatever. I'm I'm down as long as we can keep moving forward. You know, whatever it takes. Yeah. To each his own. To each but, his own, uh, exactly. <laughs> being in the touching industry. Yeah. <laughs> I um I actually started wearing a mask, um, uh, KN95 this week because COVID cases are spiking, and I didn't want to be quarantined. In China, for the everything. Premiere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here too. I mean, it's. 
It's everybody. Yeah, now it's happening here. Everybody's. Well, they say the new one's more um, easier to get, uh, more contagious. More contagious, less but uh, less lethal. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to start. But it's still not. I don't want to lose my taste and my smell. I have everything smell like poop. Yeah. Like my friend got it and he's like, everything smells like poop. I, I, I don't want that. I know. I, I just I, don't want it. Some people say it smells, they, they just smell chemical. Great. You know, it it, everything terrible. smells like chemical. Yeah. I don't think I recovered my full sentence. I think I'm probably like. When did you have it? Uh, December last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think December last year. I, I got it. I got it both times in December. I got it the previous December and then this <sighs> last December. Oh, no. Yeah. So, but, but I think, um, but yeah, I, I think my, my smell's probably at 60, 70%. Yeah. But I, nothing weird. There's no chemical smells. There's no, um, you know, nothing bad. It's just, it's just not there. Yeah. You know, and, and it'll kick in, you know, I'll be somewhere like, do, 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 and I'll be like, hey, it does smell like shit in here. What the <laughs> hell's going on? <laughs> Who stepped on shit? You know, but, um, but yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's just been fucking a crazy journey. Yeah. My mom's like, fuck all these vaccines and booster shots and everything. I'm not doing anything. I'm 74, 75. If wow. life is going to take me, let it take me. I'm, not, right. I'm not doing it. I'm you not know, doing it. To each his own, like I said. Yeah, it's everybody's own. I, I think early on everybody was about pointing fingers and whatever. And I finally got to a space where I was like, you know, everybody's on their own journey. And whatever that is, you know, I'm just going to let them. I think growing up in Alabama, uh, coming from Sweden, I really had to learn tolerance and acceptance of that people don't all think the way I do. Yeah. And I can still be respectful of that and understand that they're a human being and, and they have their reasons. Um, and so, yeah, I think, man, if we could if we could just have a little bit more tolerance. Uh, yeah in america or i mean this has kind of been spreading culminating in a war in ukraine but uh yeah and sweden's going to become part of nato like it's it's blowing my mind blowing my mind i right heard now. about that rumor are they going to be nato 100 percent, or it's they going applied. to be they so applied both finland and finland they're just instigating formally huh? applied sweden is going to but turkey god bless them uh think that Sweden and Finland are harboring uh, terrorist organizations. There's a, I read it and I'm not a hundred percent. Repeat that. Turkey has been. Turkey doesn't want, is part of NATO and doesn't want Finland and Sweden to be part because um, they think that they're harboring terrorist organizations, uh, Kurdish terrorist organizations, which, um, you know, they're free to believe that, but it I, I think it has to be a unanimous 30, 30 vote for anyone to become a part of NATO. And so um, I think Turkey can put the kibosh, but Finland, Sweden, Turkey are having conversations right now to see if they <laughs> can get past that. It's interesting. I wonder, I wonder what What's Turkey... What's going on? Uh, yeah, maybe somebody made a call to well, someone and put a little... Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, but we, we have no idea because there's the whole thing that China wants Taiwan or something, and then Turkey wants to send Abbasajan to Armenia and take over that. Like the, it's like everybody has an agenda. Everyone's you know India's like oh you know. Grabs. Well, every great empire has to come to an end. You know, I'm sorry to say, but 
Yeah, I like, the, I like the holdout. I, I just want a little stability and normalcy. Honestly, like, can we just, can we all just get can along we just for take a little a break? bit? Can, can we, we just, just take a chill, shot and man? just chill? Honestly, oh, yeah. whiskey. Let's oh, have a universal, that's global it. whiskey tasting, shall we? Okay, some vodka. It's okay, Russia. Bring some vodka. Peace, <laughs> yeah. Ukraine. Come on. To each his own, man. Scotch, yeah. whatever. You know, some beer, whatever oh, the case is. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Universal holiday. Um, and then one more question about your um, writing. Yeah. Where did you learn? What steps? When you said, I want to start writing, what steps yes. did you take to learn how to right? write? I have people come up, especially women, and I am a huge advocate for women writing because I got such a huge sense of um, power and and um, sense of self through writing. And so I just advocate it for um, all women, especially, but everyone. Everyone should get a motorcycle. Everyone. It's everyone. Um, so I decided I was going to ride a motorcycle because I saw the documentary. And then uh, I looked it up, classes on the web. And at the time, and I'm so sad to hear, but at the time, um, Westside Motorcycle Academy was the one that I decided on. And it was over uh, by the VA on Wilshire. And um, I just looked it up because I keep um, referring them uh, people when people ask me. And it, I think they've... Uh, I don't think they're they're doing classes anymore, unfortunately. Oh, it's sad. Yeah, because they moved over to Inglewood, like um, my neck of the woods, and I guess it was just a bit of a struggle. So, but on Westside Motorcycle Academy, they've been kind enough to put um, other places where you can take classes. And so, what classes do? I'd never been on a motorcycle before in my life. And so um, Westside had it in a parking lot. They give you a small motorcycle and they take you step by step. And so, you know, you have to start somewhere. And um, I sat on my bed and like closed my eyes and kind of went through clutch and the brakes and whatever and kind of got in my head and tried to get the muscle memory of it because it it's a little intimidating when you if you think too much about it. Yeah. When you just get on the bike and you just do it. it's it's not as as difficult as you might think it is and then after so what the classes do is they you know actually get you on the bike and they um will at least in los angeles if you're taking the right class uh if you pass the class and they're affiliated with the dmv i think in some sort of way then you don't actually have to bring a bike to the DMV and do, and the, do the test. The, DMV the writing, test. yeah, exactly. You can just go to the DMV, do, do the, the written. written exam, and get your license. So that's um, on top of having the classes and, and, and um, letting you, uh, I think, get a deduction on your insurance. You also don't need to take the driving yeah, safety course. Them. Yeah, safety course certificate or something. You yeah. like a percentage off. Yeah, so there's so many reasons to go take a class. And I think it's really helpful because you're not. So you took the class, you learned it, you did the pa- the, the test, and then mm-hmm. just bought a bike. Yeah, it sounds so fucking crazy sometimes, you know. I know, I know. It's it's a little crazy because you know it's it's a big it's a big hairy deal. But yeah, I had on my calendar buy a motorcycle, and I was really busy, and I only had this one day. I went to the Triumph store. I rode the Triumph. I knew which bike I wanted, but I wanted to kind of try it out anyway because I'd been looking at the Triumphs. I, they were fine, great bikes. I went to the Harley store. I rode the um, Superlow at the time, 
and uh, the iron. And I didn't have any miles. Like I hadn't ridden anything. And they were like, you kind of need, <laughs> we can't let you, <laughs> we can't let you ride these bikes without, you know, I couldn't, I was not prepared to go on the little loop that they take you on. And yeah. so I was like, look, I'm not going to buy a bike unless I can sit on it and try it. Can you roll it into, this was at Bartels. I love Bartels so much. They rolled the bikes behind into like the little um, housing you know, the back streets. The back, and yeah. so I just rode it down the street and back. And, you know, the iron scared me. So that's what I bought. Because it scared you. Yeah. I knew I could grow into it. Yeah. You know, the Triumph was super easy and um, very comfortable, but it didn't scare me. And so I was like, yeah, sometimes yeah. you got to be uh, scared to get shit done. Yeah. Well, I knew that I had space to grow on it. And I still love, I still have the same bike, 2014. Still have the same bike. Um, I just rode the Harley Pan America, and I think that's going to be my next bike. I, I heard I great things. I don't know if I haven't ridden a lot of bikes, but that bike was something new, something different. I heard great things. I, I have a I have a streak line, and I have a GS, a BMW GSA, mm-hmm. and um, I don't want to try the Pan American because I'm like, fuck, I don't know. I don't I, know. I need to talk to someone. I still haven't talked to anyone who's ridden the GS. And the Pan America, and I don't know, because um, I, I haven't ridden the GS. There, there's one member. There's yeah. one member, uh, Nicholas. He goes by Nick, and uh, he he now has the Pan America, and he likes it. But um, he likes it. He likes it. But he used to have a GS. But I think I think he likes the GS a little bit more. Interesting. I, that that's I don't know. Do you know why? Hearsay, guys. It, it's it's. It's been around for 40 years, you know, or yeah. 35 years. The engineering's just more different. Um, it's a little bit more solid. I mean, let's get this straight. Harley Davidson for this bike that they made is fucking amazing. Yeah. Because BMW right now made a bike that's a cruiser, and then it's, a, it's the R18. Hmm. And one has a that's fairing and one doesn't have a fairing. And people are saying it's, it's, uh, it's a 70%, 80% bike. Like, it's, mm. it's not quite... Right. Like a Harley. Right. And for Harley to make this off-road bike yeah. and, and execute what they've executed, yeah. it's fucking impressive. It, it is, is so fucking impressive. Yeah. And I've heard very good things. I did hear it runs a little hot, but Harleys run hot, you know. So other than that, everything's been positive, positive, positive. So it's just when, you, when you're going to compare it to a model that's been around for 35 years, it's, sure. it's kind of fucking hard. You know, th- like I mean, I haven't tried the GS. I almost don't want to. I love now the GS. I want the Pan Am so Yeah, much. don't, don't. <laughs> I, I, I've been Harley my whole life. And then, uh, you know, two years ago, I rented a GS, a GSA yeah. and went to Joshua Tree in the rain, mud. I yes. mean, it was the craziest conditions. And I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Got well, back. Well, that's the thing. You don't want to ride into a national. I feel like such a dick riding into a national park with like my vans and high and short shots. And <laughs> you know, come on. You can hear it for like miles yeah. and miles and miles. And it's just not very, uh, not very neighborly. Right. So I would love to get, I, I've been wanting to do off road stuff, but I don't want to trailer my bike because, you know, I have a Yaris. I don't know. Yeah. If I even could. So I want to be able to ride to where I want to go. And what gets better gas mileage, your car or your bike? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta ask. I gotta ask. Well, yeah, maybe my maybe my Yaris. Yeah, it's a good. I, question. W- I wouldn't be surprised because the, the Sportster's probably like 
30 miles per gallon or something like that. Is it not better? Well, I, I'm sure the, the, the Yaris is probably yeah. probably similar. Yeah. No, it absolutely I mean, is. obviously, the, the Sportster has, you have the peanut tank, right? So it's like 3.3 gallons? Yeah. Yeah. So you, obviously, your car has more, you know, gallons, but... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's a good I'm, question. I'm sure your range is like... My I'm next sure. car is going to be electric for sure. Uh, I don't want an electric bike because it scares me to have a quiet bike. Like I put um, baffles in my short shots because it was getting tinnitus because it yeah. was so loud. Um, and even that, I can I know I used to be Moses, you know, parting the sea, and yeah. now I can tell there's a difference. Loud pipes, sure. yeah, loud pipes says lies, mm-hmm. and bright lights. Yeah, bright I have, lights. I have the daymaker. Yeah, fine. I don't like the look of them as much as you know the incandescent, but incandescent looks terrifying. Yeah, my, my GS, I have um, I have 20,000 lumens, which is fucking insane. Insane. It'll blind you. Yeah, it, it will blind Out anybody. Out of my way. Yeah. Good. But the, but that, but the Harley has loud-ass pipes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You have the live wire, too. And I have a live wire sitting in the living room. That yeah. is so amazing. I, I, it's weird because I took it, I took, like, through town, I thought it'd be a funner bike. Funner. Uh, funner bike, yeah. and um, I d- I'm just so used to big bikes. I'm just used to baggers and, you know, big, you know, I, I'm just fairings and windshields. Is it too easy? Like, what, what is it? I don't know. It's, it's I don't know. I, I, I can't get used to it, I, and I don't know what it is, but I did take it out to the canyons once, and I was like, wow, this thing is on point. This thing's mm. fucking, the suspension and the way it rides is so on point. I, I This is badass. It's super badass, but... I would still rather ride the GS. And I ride the GS way more than the Harley now. Right. You know, I got them both two years ago. I'm at 17,000 with the GS. And on the Harley, I'm like at 8,000. Mm. You know, yeah, yeah. the live wires got 60. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 60 miles. But I think we covered everything. I think we covered everything. Um, wh- what's your Instagram? It's oh, where can people find name, you? My name, my name is complicated. It's yeah, how do you how do you pronounce your whole name? So it's Leave von der Reich. Uh, leave is like leave the room. It's L I V. It means life in Swedish. Von der Reich has a um, German ancestry to it. It's titled, and uh, you pronounce it the V with an F, but it's V O N O E L R E I C H. So it's hell of a name. It's a hell of a name. It's a cool name. <laughs> I That's spend it. my life just spelling it. Yeah. Well, my last name is Valderrama, and it's like, it becomes long, Roberto Valderrama. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. It rolls off the tongue, though. Yeah. Especially if you can roll your tongue. If you can roll it. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. Such a I pleasure. look forward to having you once again. Uh, keep That'd us posted great. with your projects. Uh, what's the website for the, um, for the documentary? RaceToAlaska.com, and you can get um, tickets and ticket links and all of that good stuff there. And watch the trailer is amazing. Uh, yeah, please come. You know, it's a scrappy film. It's it's um, it's a, a great fun film to watch, and uh, we would love your support. Let us know what you think. And I think it's it go, it's right in line with the motorcycle community. So I think people who like bikes would like the scrappy scrappiness of the race for sure looking forward to watching it on monday thank you thank you